Hello there and welcome to the Einstein Film Podcast, where we talk the latest in blockbuster film and TV. This week we're talking about The Fablemans. My name is Tom and as always I'm joined by my co-host John. How are you this week? I am feeling great because we are finally talking about Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans. So yes, I'm very excited to talk about it. Yeah, what about you? Yeah, I'm feeling good, thanks. We saw this film all the way back in January, I think. It was January, right? End of January? Yeah, yeah January. something like that. Yeah, yeah. And we were going to do it on the week we did the DC slate, but obviously that happened, so we did that instead. But here we are. This is kind of a, a break from all the comic book stuff we've done. We get to talk about just some really good cinema. I'm very excited. Full spoilers ahead for anyone who hasn't seen it. Briefly explain the plot for those who don't know. Right. Hopefully Google will get a good explanation this time because <laughs> it's fun. so unreliable. There's so, so many weeks when it's just like, okay, <laughs> sure. If you remember the Ant-Man one, yeah, that was... yeah. <laughs> Ooh, so strange. Was... Okay. <clears throat> Young Sammy Fableman falls in love with movies after his parents take him to see the greatest show on earth. Armed with a camera, Sammy starts to make his own films at home, much to the delight of his supportive mother. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, just the phrase <laughs> armed with a camera. As yes. if he's going to go around the town and start shooting people. <laughs> he's got a camera and he's going <laughs> to cause some havoc. <laughs> that is the Google plot right there. Thanks, Google. Thanks, Google. So yeah, Fablemans. Yeah. This is Spielberg's first film since West Side Story. So it came out in 2023 in the UK, but I know that it came out in 2022 in America. Big awards film, got a lot of nominations, yes. a lot of wins, that kind of stuff. What do you bloody think? This is a very strong film from Spielberg. It's got a lot of heart. It's got a lot of love to the side of filmmaking. What inspires you to be a filmmaker and the films that you want to create? And the Fablemans explore that very well with Sammy. And it's very interesting how Spielberg incorporates his own life into this film. And it's very, very wholesome, but yet a little bit sad. It's a very mm. strong film. Yeah, well, we saw it together. And before the film started, we got a little a little message from Steve. Oh. And he was like, hello, everybody. It's me, Steven Spielberg. This is a very personal film for me. So, you know, even before it started, you could feel that this means a lot to him, right? And yeah. that, in turn, it meant a lot to me to see that he really is presenting this in such a passionate way. Every scene of this, you can tell, you know, that he has love for the story that he's telling and love for the people that he is presenting, the inserts of the real people, his real family, his real friends. And it really does come alive in its characters in the way that they are portrayed, both visually and, and, and through the acting. I agree. And that message at the beginning was just so wholesome. And that hits a lot. It's a great way to celebrate films as well, because we're seeing different perspectives, we're seeing different stories. This is the celebration of film. And this is funny enough, because Babylon, came out and we got the Fablemans and you can see this pattern of celebrating film. Yeah, even with Empire of Light, it feels like during lockdown, a lot of creators looked inward, looked at their own lives and looked at cinema and what cinema meant. And I would assume that films like The Fablemans and films like Babylon were being written when we didn't really know whether cinemas could survive. And cinemas still, they're not quite on the edge that they used to be. They have films like Top Gun and Avatar and Spider-Man that have managed to prove that people will still go back to the cinemas. But the cinema isn't nearly the, the booming industry that it once was and you can see that there's such a love for the craft in this 
I think the sound design in this movie specifically. Oh, yeah. There's a way that it captures you. The whirring of the tapes in the camera and when Sammy will be editing or shooting. And that just, it really whisked me away. I mean, I don't know. I've, I've never shot anything on film because it's so much easier and more convenient to shoot on digital in this day and age. But there was just something so nice about that. And you could see that there was a nostalgia that Spielberg is putting out for the old ways of doing things. Very similar to what we were talking about when we did Babylon, which is a video that you guys can listen to now. But like, there's a lot of similarities to how they look back with a fondness on that kind of era, even though this is on such a small scale. I mean, Babylon is on a big, big scale, but this is on a small, intimate, personal scale. Yeah, especially what you said about the sound design, because I think Spielberg wanted to incorporate the nostalgia of the film sound, like the roaring sound. I think that's like kind of synthetic to what we're seeing, you know, that nostalgia of filmmaking. It kind of reminded me of shooting on, you know, iPhone. We still do shoot an iPhone, but we shoot on, you know, camcorder and like make short little sketches or something like that. And I think that's like the beauty of film. I really like that because as you said, we never shot a film. I remember we we were walking back and then we were like, ah, we should have shot a film. But no, um, yeah. We're like, we've got to go to the camera shop. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It lit a flame of childlike wonder. I mean, we all know that Spielberg is really great at doing that. I think E.T. is the best example of that kind of pure Spielberg magic that he injects into his films. And, you know, Walking Out the Fablemans was a very similar thing. I was feeling this kind of nostalgia for, as you say, we still make short films together, like, you know, me and you, John, but we used to make loads on, like, my camera quarter and stuff like that various circumstances we don't do as often anymore and it really made me think about like how much fun that is and i love the idea that somebody's going to watch this film and be really inspired by that level but Ah, what's so great about it is that it's not just about that there's so much more beneath that about family and about doing what you love and that's what you just gotta love about spielberg is that he goes the extra mile and will make these stories so much more layered the entire idea of filming he uses as, as a metaphor of seeing the unseen and different ways of looking at life and how he uses it to look at his family. And I thought that was so, again, just a brilliant added layer that really made it so much better than it already was. Yeah, and the film has so many layers with family and how does family... <laughs> it just reminds me of Fast and Furious. Sorry, I just like family. family. <laughs> I feel like Fast and Furious has ruined the word family for you. Yeah. Every time on this podcast that you say family, you always just have to go... I mean, I introduced you to Fast and Furious. You did. You did. I was a big snob beforehand. I was skeptical. I had my arms crossed. No, no, this is not what cinema's about. And then, you know, I got to the seventh film and I was crying, you know, like, there we go. Seven films later. Family. (laughs) Um, Still excited for Fast 10. Anyway, so with family. Oh, God, um, yeah. That's soon as well. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so enough about Fast and Furious. No, John, there's never enough of Fast and Furious. People clicked on this video, not for the Fablemans, but for Fast and Furious. We need to make sure everything just slowly (laughs) becomes Fast and Furious. I'm so sorry. Oh my God, Paul Dano's Vin Diesel. Oh my God. That would be great, actually. That would be, that'd be a different <laughs> Don't film. say, that would be amazing if if he was in That would be amazing, actually. Talking to Sam like, Sam, 
it's interesting that you say that because one of the I mean like the acting in this movie is on just another level it's incredible well, and there's the one scene where Sammy is arguing with his dad and Paul Dano's performance this is very reserved it's very inward and there's a lot going on inside but he's very soft spoken and all the conflict is very reserved you see especially at the end there's this brilliant shot where he sees his wife Michelle Williams having a great time with her new partner Seth Rogen and there's a shot that Spielberg frames of Paul Dano in the corner of a room, a blank wall with Paul Dano kind of in the bottom and he just looks so broken and it really is fantastic. And the scene in question that I'm thinking about is where Sammy is really, you know, again, Gabriel LaBelle, amazing performance as well. All the actors are on top of their game. But he's saying, like, this is your fault that we're here. This is your fault why everybody feels terrible. And Paul Dano just raised his voice for the first time in the film, and you really feel it. He's like, if you have something to say to me, you say it, Sammy. I've come here to work ten times harder than everybody else. It's that feeling of when a parent shouts at you, and, you know, you're not used to it. Or it's been a while, and it shakes. And I think the way that that is crafted is is so, so fantastic. Yeah, and, you know, the idea of family, that is well-performed. You know, with Michelle Williams and Paul Dano, you are familiar with this. You know, you got like the kind of supporting parent and then the other is very worried about like, oh, is he going to do this or does he want to do this? And that was very believable for that. I think that was great to explore two different sides. There's a dichotomy between the scientists and the artists in the house. That is mentioned in the film. I can't remember who said it. That is mentioned in the film. does, Does Judd Hirsch say that? I don't when know. He, you see immediately in the first scene of the film, which is young Sammy outside the cinema, outside the great show on earth, and his parents explaining him why it's going to be great. And Michelle Williams, his mum, her approach is, it's amazing. It's like dreams that you remember. You get to see these incredible things. But Paul Dano, his dad, his approach is, this is how it all works. It's not real. It's pictures that are made in such a speed that it gives you the illusion that they're moving. And that is a perfect way. In the very first scene, I was like, Spielberg. Spielberg, you've done it. I know exactly what this film is about just from that first scene. It's about cinema and it's about family that is split. That is done so well. I think when the film focuses on family and how cinema interjects into that is perfect. Yeah, that is a great way to, you know, segue into what The Fable Woman's is actually about, you know, like, film is seen differently, you know, with the two family, you know, film is like something that can be enjoyed, but then film is used for art, so that is explored throughout the film, you know, when Sammy is making the films, Michelle sees the art, and then Paul sees this as a hobby, not as something important, like something that's fun. You do really see that throughout the film, and I thought that was incorporated very well. And yeah, the beginning, yeah, I agree, that was a great opening to show that, yeah. Yeah, and the whole time, like, the family dynamic is funny as well. You get this sense of love that all these people share, whether it be the montage of young Sammy making films with, you know, like, his two sisters, or, like, with his parents. Like, there's one where, like, like, they're doing, like, a train heist, and his dad's wafting sand and dust, and you see him hanging out with his friends, and there's a really good humour to that. But there is a depth to the humour. There are ways in which it shows the small things. Like, Seth Rogen is a very funny character throughout. Uncle Bobby, I think is his name? Oh, is it Billy? Billy? I think it's Billy. Anyway, Seth Rogen's character. (laughs) Seth Rogen's character is very funny throughout the film. There's a really great... Benny. 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 That's it. That's it. There's a really great cut where it cuts to the camera filming the family's move from where they were living at the start to Arizona. And you go from Michelle Williams and Paul Dano having an argument about whether Benny should come to them in the car, and then it 
pans over and Benny's there and it's really funny. But then as you go deeper into the narrative, you realize what that means, what that quite has to yeah. say and the relationship that Michelle Williams and Seth Rogen have, which is actually really depressing and upsetting. And, and there's, there's a lot about the film which tackles a coming of age, a growing up and Sammy in his reaction to his mother's affair or what will become a more serious affair as well, how he reacts to that and how he still feels the love for his mother. That permeates throughout the narrative in this coming of age story in which he, you know, he puts away his camera for a while before picking it back up, realizing what's important, what's truly important to him, and then going to a new school and all these experiences that you see him growing up. It's so cleverly tied together. Yeah, it's cleverly tied together as what George Hirsch's character says about, you know, like art, it tears you apart. It's like, did you see like lions or something? Yeah, he was like putting your head in a lion's mouth takes balls, but getting the lion not to eat you, that's art. And the art is that sacrifice and that difficulty that, that you have to struggle with. Yeah, and I think that is repeated throughout the film with Sammy trying to figure out the art. What does he want to do, you know, with the camera? He's being torn apart by the family. The affair, trying to find love. And then in high school as well, he's torn by reality and he wants to make films, but he's being torn by it. So he wants mm. to do something about it. And then we'll get to the ending. The ending kind of sums everything up. And I think that's mm. great. Yeah, I think the shift from Arizona to LA after you get this entire kind of breakdown of what you as an audience and also what Sammy knows as his reality. There's an amazing scene where he's cutting a film together for his mom of this family camping trip. And you can see him him realizing through looking at all this footage that she's having an affair with Benny and he sees them together again and again. It's a scene that lasts for quite a while, but it's so good because it because it goes deeper and deeper and closer and closer. And it's not about the information. It's more about the reaction and the way that Sammy's reacting to this through the films and through the camera. And in a lot of ways, that's what breaks down his love for films. You can see that moments like his final shot in his army film that he does, you see that those moments really mean a lot to him and they make him come alive and make him feel things. But at the same time, there's a pain to what he's capturing on camera. And if you think about that as Steven Spielberg, that's incredibly, incredibly interesting. You know, you think about making the Indiana Jones films. When he came to making Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, he basically said, I can't do Nazis anymore because he made Schindler's List and it really affected him. A lot of the film is about the filmmakers and how they deal with anti-Semitism, which we'll get to. But Spielberg, he saw through making Schindler's List a really dark reality. And the film is very upfront about the fact that sometimes that's what happens happens when you're making movies and when you're looking at things through the camera you see things that aren't always seen or you can have the ability to explore things of the past that are really dark and I thought that was really really interesting captured in that way because yeah sometimes you do look back on pictures and you see a different perspective or in videos and it is kind of unsettling and part of growing up is moving beyond that and being able to be better yeah that is shown not in the sense of dark but like showing the unseen it's when the bully logan he watches the film that sammy makes nearly at the end of the film at the beach and he sees himself as this god like a superhero and he's like why did you make me like this i hurt you why did you make me look like I'm a superhero or something? And he said, well, that's why I wanted to show on camera. That's what he saw. And that's, that's what, what you saw. Know, that's what he reflected. And that's a yeah. really great scene because the film definitely takes a different turn when they go to LA with the high school stuff, with the anti-Semitism and with love that yeah. Sammy finds. And that all kind of comes to a head in that prom scene where he shows the movie that he's made and things at home really have gotten to a bad point and he's scared. And so like he asks his girlfriend to marry him and go with him to Hollywood. And she's like, no. 
So they break up and then like at his lowest point, Logan, as you say, is so confused. But then Chad, who is another bully, he's at the one who is actually like a scumbag oh, and like, like a low full life. On, full on yeah, yeah, he's the one who's given like, all like the main anti-Semitic stuff. But the truth to Chad, unlike Logan, the truth to Chad is that Logan can be somebody great. He can fly, whereas Chad is a bit of a loser. And that's what Sammy shows. And Chad gets angry at him, but then Logan sticks up for Sammy. And that's amazing. You can see that the true self of people are presented in these moments and I thought that was so good there are so many layers to that character who has been a villainous kind of presence Yeah, you can see that when it comes to growing up part of it is learning to not have that chip on your shoulder not be like oh yeah I'm gonna make my bully seem like an asshole and a loser no no he shows what he sees and he makes it so everybody can enjoy it and there's a really funny moment as well where he's like nobody can know about this and Sammy's like yeah yeah of course well, unless I make a movie about it, <laughs> which is never going to happen. <laughs> and that's great because you're watching it. And so much of the film is entrenched in the audience's knowledge that this is Steven Spielberg's life. And I think that's just brilliant. Oh, yeah, that's like a whole meta break there. And uh, yeah, I thought that was really good character development right there. Because usually with the bully type high school thing, it's a very bizarre way. If you know what I mean. Like there's some really weird character development for like high It's not school easy art. to get right. No, it's not easy to get like, like dude, we do nerd. Uh, Redeeming the bully is... Is incredibly difficult even depictions of bullies are incredibly difficult because of yes. how everybody in some sense has experienced that and nobody wants to redeem their bully but sometimes no. it has to be done I think about The Amazing Spider-Man. For example, Flash Thompson. Throughout that movie, you get only a few scenes with him, but you understand this arc that he's going through of kind of growing up and him and Peter becoming friends, which is really nice. And you get that as well in, in The Fablemans. I think that's painful because you don't want to redeem the bully, but when it's done, it, it's a signal of, again, growing up and that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, it's about realizing who that person is and what he's going through and you don't want to make that bully go through something again. So yeah, I think that's great. Realizing why did he make me look like this person? It's a metaphor. It's Holy a metaphor. What? It's cinema. <laughs> Whoa! Oh and I God. think that, that that whole prom scene and then the scene afterwards where Sammy comes home and things between his mum and dad aren't good, but he just talks to his mum and she makes him breakfast and, you know, they're just kind of joking around and it's melancholic and it's bittersweet and you know that everything's going to be okay. I would have thought that would be a perfect ending to the film. Same. The thing that didn't sit with both of us, like this is what, like you know, you said this to me as soon as we left the cinema, you were very much like, the ending felt weird. And I think it does feel weird. Yeah, let's talk about the ending. So what I found interesting was that this is actually happened to Spielberg. Spielberg actually met John Ford when he wanted to work in film. And there's a great cameo from David Lynch, by the way. And uh, yes. this is a great scene, actually. This is the end of the film. Sammy yeah. wants to work in Hollywood. And then the guy recruiting Sammy, he's like, hey, do you want to see someone, this famous director? He's in that hallway across. He goes into the room and he realizes that this is John Ford. And he was like, hey, kid, you want to be a picture maker? Yes, yes, I do. Okay. You see that picture over there? And he walks over to the picture. I was like, okay, let's describe the picture. And he was like, uh, okay, you got Native Americans in the corner around. Where's the horizon? Uh, um, the, the horizon's up there. It, it's at the top. It's at the top. Okay, now okay. do the same. Do the same one for that one now. Uh, okay. Uh, th there's some soldiers in. No, in the where's the horizon? Uh, the horizon's at the bottom. Okay, right now, here's here's the best piece of advice I got. If the horizon is at the top, it's interesting. If the horizon is at the bottom, it's interesting. If the horizon is in the middle, it's boring as shit. Now get the okay. fuck out of my office. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's amazing. I love it's how we amazing. just acted that out. Incredible. Oh but, my God. Like... I love that scene. I love that scene. Yeah. It's a fantastic scene. It feels very much like Babylon in the sense that all the scenes that I didn't like, 
I still liked them, just not necessarily in the context of the film so far. So I think my problem with that scene is that the narrative is over for me. I think the narrative ends when he comes home after the prom. That feels like a full circle, but the ending bit just felt a little bit tacked on and not necessarily like it added anything to the themes. It definitely brings a a hopeful end as in like, oh, it's all going to be okay. But I feel like the other scene did that too. I'd love to hear anyone, if you want to comment or email us, I'd love to hear, you know, what you think that adds. But yeah, there was definitely parts of it that didn't sit quite well with me. Yeah, there were some really weird bits that wasn't going to be the end. Like when Sammy and his mom was talking, it was a very weird turn for the third act. And I thought Mm. that was a very bittersweet ending for that. But I thought that additional scene with David Lynch, I thought that was a good scene. It is a good scene. I think the actual final shot is really, really cool. You see Sammy walking away into like the Hollywood lot. The Hollywood lot. What does that even mean? (laughs) In like a film, in like a film studio, like he's walking. On, on back from John Ford's office and then the camera has the horizon in the middle and then the camera shakes and puts the horizon on the top and I think that's brilliant that's a great little reflection of, what, of what he says one of the two I think it was the oh, top it doesn't because, matter because the sky but anyway there were some really good bits in the film that it was just so funny like Spielberg can be really good at comedic Jesus pray to Jesus John <laughs> we were both dying in film we just brilliant. laughed so hard about this so, well anyone who's watched the film I'm not going to give any other context just yeah, Jesus sick. if you've watched Jesus. the film you know if you haven't watched the film Jesus, watch the film and you, and you shall know Jesus come Jesus into come me to me. oh my god insane that's a great, just that's crazy. A great scene oh and the, the mother got was it a chimpanzee monkey yeah yeah it's a monk Mo- mo- oh yeah the a monkey monk- a monkey yeah. Oh yeah, that was, it, it was, cute, that was great. I thought, when, wait, why did she get the monkey anyway? Because she was struggling. She missed Benny. Oh. She was having such a crisis. Oh, that's why it's called Benny the monkey. Yes. Oh, it makes it even more sad now. It's oh. a metaphor. Oh my God. It's all a metaphor. That's Rogan is Donkey Kong. How can we not see Oh this? my God, he is. Oh, oh, oh. that's wait, incredible. It's Spielberg. Spielberg. He knew. He knew. He knew. Wait, you know how Martin Scorsese is in Shark Tale? Yeah. Steven Spielberg is going to be in Mario. I'm manifesting it right now. He's going to be in it. Who hasn't been Wait. cast? Uh... What's Donkey Kong's dad called? Oh, I Cranky know Kong. Mean. Is it Cranky, Cranky Kong? Kong? That can be Spielberg. Oh my God. Is he going to be in the Mario movie? Okay, okay. That does sound plausible. No, he is in it. Oh, he's being played by Fred Armisen. God damn it. It needs to be played by Steven Spielberg. We manifested it. Oh, man. God anyway, but if he is in the film, this is a plausible theory because, one, <laughs> in Bullet Train and The Lost City, what? yeah, we got oh, yeah. Channing Tatum in both of these films and Brad Pitt in both oh, of these yeah. films. And Sandra yeah, Bullock, good point. And got those. They were doing favors for each other. So I wonder... If Seth Rogen was like, <laughs> I'll do the hey, Stevens would you on like one to condition. <laughs> no, I bet the monkey had to be real, right? That, that probably be. happened. They're not just it putting a monkey happened. in for the sake of it. She holds a box office gross of 2.5 billion. What? Who? Who are we talking about? The monkey? Yeah, the monkey. The mo- what? How is that possible? I'm not joking. Her film, oh. Hangover 2... Open up one. Oh yeah, they're in Hangover oh, Two. Oh, she was in Hangover Two. I think it's the same monkey as George in the Jungle. How do you know I'm... she's in George in the Jungle? <laughs> I saw an interview. I'm ending this, John. I'm ending this right now before it no, gets too how far. How do you know this? Tom, what are you? How do you know what this? Have you been working giving... inside to Hollywood? Have you... I have an I have an inside man, or should I say inside monkey? Um, oh. What... My. Yeah. What are you giving the Fablemans out of 10? Oh, we're ending it here. Uh, <laughs> we're ending uh, it here. Uh, 
Unless you have more to An say. Infinity. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you have anything else left to say? Are you an inside man? No, I'm not telling you from inside. That defeats the point. You're gonna have to question it forever. Um, maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. Anyway, uh, I'm giving the film <laughs> anyway. eight, 8 out of ten. Oh, good. I'm gonna go nine out of ten. Also, final note. Final note. John Williams score. Amazing. What a guy. Oh, brilliant. What a guy. Oh, nostalgic. Yeah. I've got, I've got good news, John. We've got less than, than a minute on this Zoom call, so I'm going to oh, whiz great. through these. Thank great. you, everybody, for listening. If you're listening on YouTube and you enjoyed it, you can give us a thumbs up and subscribe if you want to see more. And if you're on Spotify, you can follow us and give us a five-star review if you think we're worthy. Send us an email. Tell us your thoughts on the Fablements on Spielberg and anything that we've talked about today, and we'll answer it right here on the podcast. If you email us at asktimefilmpod at gmail.com, and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And next week, we're going to be doing The Bad Batch Season 2. Uh, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed us talking about the Fablemans. Take what you're given. Get in the back. Goodbye. Goodbye. We did it. Yes. Woo! Woo! That went so... That started off really great, and then that it just... Was... We, we lost it. We lost our shit, we, man. We just lost our mind.